turning your Bibles to the book of Acts and uh, Acts chapter 27. And uh, I'm going to give you a different type of message, kind of a a comparison uh, type message of applying a a story in the Bible um, back from the life of Paul and how it applies to us. And I went through and I was trying to think of a, a, a title, so I just put all the things we're going to study tonight in the title. So it's foes, fangs, and fire. And you say, that makes no sense. you got to wait till you hear this message and, and see all the pieces coming together. Because the thing is, I'm, I'm trying to, every chance that I get in Sunday school, here on the stage, uh, Bible study, all these different things, I want people to have the idea of, of, of building ourselves up spiritually because of the fact that God has a plan for us in, in this day and age, like I talked about this morning, and use that illustration of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It wasn't a mistake that they were there at that precise time. And here they were, they were caught in captivity with Daniel. And God said, yeah, but I need you to be there at that time for this purpose. And we're going to find that same thing. But we've got to realize that there's a lot of discouragement. You think that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't get discouraged? Or Daniel didn't get discouraged when you're saying, Lord, I'm doing what's right. I'm trying to stand up. I'm trying to stand out. I'm trying to speak up. And I'm the one that's getting all this criticism. I'm the one that's being attacked. It doesn't seem fair. You talk about a guy that had every reason to quit. That was Paul. Have you guys ever just read through his life and saw the things that he has gone through? And I mean, here we, we, have, we get done with a ministry and we have somebody say something. You're like, I'm done. I'm quit. I mean, I'm not doing this anymore. Just realize what all this guy went through. And I, I, I'm, we're just going to take this much of the opposition that he faced. Going through a bad day. And you say things can't get worse because he was accused, you know, of going against the government and preaching the gospel. And they arrested him. He went up before the leaders. And now he's being transported by sea. You say, well, man, that's pretty bad. Yeah, it gets a lot worse, and then it gets worse. I mean, it gets a whole lot worse. So we get into this passage, and he's being transported by the ship. And through the course of this journey, long days, storms, trials, seasickness, you can imagine everything that goes with this. And we come to Acts 27, verse 41. And falling into the place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground. And the foreparts stuck fast, remained unmovable. But the hinder part was broken, the violence of the waves. And the soldiers counseled to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. Can you imagine being Paul and just sitting there and saying, hey, what are going to do all these guys? I got an idea, we'll just kill them all. It's like, hey, you know, I mean, it's like, that's already a bad situation. We're already going to be swimming for our lives. And the only solution they could come up with is just to kill us all. They, but the centurion, thank God, willing to save Paul, kept them from, the, uh, from their purpose and commanded they which could swim to cast themselves first in the sea and to get to land. Now, I'm going to tell you guys right now, I, I wasn't there and I don't know all that happened. I guarantee you, Paul had a reputation among these guys. The soldiers seeing Paul said, hey, 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 hey. guys, I, I, let, let's, let's keep them alive. And I, I don't know what it was, an observation or interaction and all the things that could have gone with this, but I promise you that he had an impact on their life. And the rest of them, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship, and it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. Jump to chapter 28, verse 1, and we'll continue. And when they were escaped, then they knew the island was called Melita. And the barbarous people 
showed us little kindness. They kindled a fire and received us, every one, because of the present rain and because of the cold. Let's pray. Lord, I, I, I'm asking, Lord, that you'll help us to relate to this because I know, Lord, is doing ministry and, and just wanting people to know the truth. Lord, I know that the application of this is going to be far different for every person that's sitting in a different aisle here tonight. But I know the one thing that is true and consistent, and that is the fact that Satan will do whatever he can to discourage the people of God that have endeavored and determined to make a difference. Lord, I know that Paul was committed his entire life, but Lord, one opportunity after another seemed like Satan was just getting him down. Lord, help us to realize, Lord, how to overcome discouragement. We're just simply trying to please you. Pray this in your name. Amen. Have you ever been there? I mean, you can imagine just a situation, crawling on the shoreline. And these guys there, the, the, the foreigners, having the fire built and everything going on, and crawling up in there and wanting to just get out of the cold, wet, you know, tired. Uh, you guys have had days like that. I, I remember when uh, Jen and I, we went to Disney World a few years back, and every single day that we were at the park, it poured down rain. And I don't know what, what it is about being wet and cold and then we'd all be cold and we didn't want to go all the way back to the hotel and change and go out. So I said, hey, let's just rough it. So every night we stayed and we went to uh, eat at a restaurant and then they have the air conditioning cranked and you're sitting there and you're cold and you're just thinking, normally this would probably feel great, but it feels horrible right now. And the kid's saying, can we just not eat tonight and go back? And I mean, you guys can imagine this feeling. And sometimes we just breeze over and said, oh, he was a man of God. He was tough. No, he was human. And I'm sure he was just like, okay, what's going on? And just hearing these people that sat there that, that he's crawling on the shore. And these are the people that said, hey, let's just cut their throats and throw them overboard. And now they're hovered around this thing and like, hey, how are you doing? I mean, I don't think there was a lot of love and joy being felt through all this. But here's the thing. They come to this fire. And the fire inscription often describes the power and presence of God. So I want to kind of draw that parallel. And every bit of this is, 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 is symbolic, if you will. Uh, go all the way back. And I'm not just making this up. When Moses was called by God, God called him out of the fire. Now, he could have just called him out of the bush. But the, the bush was there. It was never consumed. But it had fire on it. And then you go to Elijah and the fire was presented down through there. And there's a lot of different in, uh, situations where we see the power of God. Even in Acts chapter 2. The Bible describes the Holy Spirit of God coming in like fire. But you say, why? Because fire represents power, represents that, that consuming. When you, when you get a fire going on, I mean, you can imagine uh, this even being illustrated to the church. People that are cold and damp and in the storm and everything going around and you build up a fire. You don't have to say, hey, everybody, come over here. What naturally happens is, oh, there's a fire, and everybody gathers around. That's human nature and tendency. Every time you've done a bonfire or one of these harvest parties or something, everybody gathers around the fire because you can feel the power. You can feel the warmth. You can feel the difference, different than everything else in the world. And I thought that that's, that's how the church should be. The church should be that place where the Spirit of God is so kindled and you can feel the atmosphere. And guys, I, I can tell you for, as a pastor and a preacher, I can tell the difference when I have to come up here and I can preach. And I have to preach on Sunday morning, Sunday night, whatever it is. 
and the Spirit of God is working and people are singing from their hearts and there's a joy and there's just a, a, a great fellowship. You can tell that because there's something special about that. The, the, the place, the, the church ought to be that type of place. The warmth of God's people, it, it ought to be a place of refuge, a place of comfort. Verse 3, when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened onto his hand. When the barbarians saw the venomous beast hanging on his hand, they said amongst themselves, No doubt this man was a murderer, whom thought he had escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not, uh, not to live. You, you know what's crazy about this? Isn't it funny how people sit there and have no clue what they're talking about, but still say, you know, say things? Sitting off to the side and these guys are like, yeah, I bet you that guy's evil and wicked. And God said, no, 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 that's one of my greatest warriors for God. Judging him because of something went on. Passing judgment saying, yeah, I bet you that happened to him because of this. Have you guys ever had something happen in your life and somebody says, man, if I were you, I'd just get your heart right. And you're thinking, I'm not doing anything, I promise. I'm just trying to follow God and lead my family. I'm, I'm not out doing wrong. But we have that idea. And it doesn't even have to be the idea uh, in your head. It's, it's what other people will say. And I thought about this. You, you can imagine he's, is he's got this viper on his hand and the other guys, he's sitting there slinging the snake around and, and it says it fastened on his hand. You know, you're thinking that everybody would stand up, whether, whether they're a friend or a foe, you would sit there and say, hey, you know, this isn't good. Somebody come help me. And they all stood there and said, yeah, he's going to die. <laughs> he's going to die any minute. But notice what he did. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. I tell you, this was a very venomous snake. I mean, just the description of this. But after they looked a great while, he saw no harm come to him. They, they changed their minds and they said that he was a god. It's funny how fast people flip-flop. You know, it's like, he's an evil murderer. He's a god. You know, I mean, just... Just like that, they, they changed this. And guys, I, I'll be honest. I can't, even, I can't even read this story without getting creeped out because I'll, I'll tell you what, I can't stand snakes. And I, I, I've told stories every time I get on the subject of the Satan and that old serpent and all, everything else. I get, I get creeped out. I just cannot stand snakes. Uh, me and uh, Dave and Danny and us last night, we were sitting around in the living room. And I said, you guys got to see this video and uh, it was on YouTube, and some of you guys have seen it. And this guy, these, this family's on a dock, and they're hand-feeding a snake, like a water moccasin. And the water moccasin would just swim up to the dock, and the guy would reach over and put out a fish, and the viper would get up there and reach it out of their hands. And, and they, like, train this thing. I'm thinking, the last thing that I want around my house is a pet snake. If I see a snake, I'm getting a gun. My favorite kind of snakes is a dead snake. That's the only kind of snake and uh, I, I can't stand to be around it. I mean, growing up, I was with that. Me and, me and Dave, when we were teenagers, we were bailing hay. I, I, I don't know, that, that's just a redneck way of life. That's how we made money when we were teens. Farmers would use cheap labor with teenagers. We were bailing hay. And a snake got bound up in the bale of hay. So we were sitting there hot, frustrated, aggravated. And we're out there hot, frustrated, aggravated, you know, working in the heat of the day. And reached down to grab that bale of hay and grabbed it, flipped it around. That snake was in there, went, you know, just over that bale of hay. And I threw that bale of hay. I, I said, that thing is staying out here. We are not. That thing was going crazy. And I, I, I grew up, and you can imagine the snake being that, that symbol of evil, that symbol of 
opposition. Last thing, I'm tired, I'm cold, I'm wet, I'm doing all these things. The last thing that I need, Lord, I don't need this. As he has that snake gripped onto his hand. I just want to walk through and kind of break down the story. I I want you to notice, first of all, the person involved. They are soaking wet, waterlogged, a foreigner, an inmate, an outcast. But the sight of Paul was still focused on what they needed. Paul had the idea, if you will, just like, hey, we're having a bad day, but I still want to keep the fire burning. I still want to keep the fire present. I still want to keep the power right here. And Paul gets up just to do a good deed. And I'm thank God for people like this. Because you know what? I, I get frustrated when there's work to be done and there's a need that needs to be done. And I'm sure Paul's sitting there going, the fire is going to die out. Hey, I wonder if anybody's going to get up. Hey, guy, the fire is going to go out. And, and Paul says, you know what? If nobody else, I'll, I'll do it. I don't mind. Run over there and get it. And he was just doing the job because he saw something needed to be done. I, I, I say this. You, you talk about wanting the reputation or the ministry of Paul There's something about Christians that see a job and say, I just want to see it done. I just want to be part of it. I want to jump in and see it done. I promise those that jump in are the ones that always love ministry because they get the most out of it. Let let me say people in our church are often overlooked. And I I think afterwards, how much goes on around here? Buses, uh, middle of winter, zero degrees, and they're out there warming them up. Getting out there to bring kids in and people that come in during the week to clean the toilets. I say, well, somebody has to do it, I know, and there's not a lot of volunteers for it. But the people that do it, they love it because th- that's the thing. I, just, I want to keep the ministry going. I, I want to I be part of this, even if it's something little. And I'll, although there's opposition, although I, I might not be comfortable, I just want to do it. Nothing happens by accident. Here, Paul is in the midst of a bunch of pagans. Most of them probably never even heard Jesus. And yet they're watching this guy the whole time. His attitude towards the circumstance. Notice the second thing. Not only what he was seeing, but notice his sacrifice. I don't believe Paul was just reviving the fire just for himself. But he noticed the other ones, the other people that maybe he pulled out of there and saying, hey, you know what? We need this heat. We need this fire. We need to be pulled into this. See, everything that goes on, there has to be effort put into it. People that are willing to sacrifice of themselves. He sees the need. He gets up. He gets the job done. And I was really, really, really proud this past weekend of being part of Amber McCombs and Darko's wedding and just the, the family and the friends and we went to the reception and they had 300 and some people that showed up for that reception. And just a huge party. And I go back there and I was back in the kitchen at, at another facility. And you know what I found in the kitchen there? I, I, I found a bunch of people that I normally find in our kitchen here. And I walked in there and I said, what are you guys all doing? And, and every one of them, they were like, well, I just, you know, I'm just so used to jumping in when something needs to be done. And, you know, I was going on, and they said, I just, I couldn't grab, I just want to make sure that everything was okay. And I turned and said, what are you doing? And I had even the father of the bride, Brian McCombs, was back. And I said, Brian, what are you doing? And get out there. This is, he goes, well, I just, uh, it's just weird for me not to be involved in this. I love people that have that heart of sacrifice that say, hey, I just want, I want to be part of, of getting the job done. I want to make a difference. Love how he just gets in. 
And then you say, out of all the people that deserve to get bit, why Paul? I'd imagine after you see all this, I'd be, Lord, get that soldier that's voted on us to be killed. That would be a good guy to get bit. Why is the guy that's the only one standing up working, the only one getting things done, the only one, and he's the one that gets bit? We saw the person involved. Let me show you the people surrounding because this is where it gets serious. When Paul had gathered the bundle, verse 3 of sticks, and he laid them upon the altar, there came a viper. Where did the viper come out of? The viper came out of the heat. And I thought about that. When we get the fire going and we get this work of God going, I promise you, let me guys tell you right now, promise, promise, promise. Expect the viper to crawl out of the heat. He can't stand the heat. He doesn't want to be around it. He doesn't want to be around those that are there. And he comes out and you just think you're reading into it. You know who he went after? The one that was making the heat hotter. The one that was stoking the fire. The one that was fueling the work. The one that was doing something. That snake slithered out and said, big boy, I'm not going to have you do this. This was my home. I'm comfortable. But I tell you what we've got to do. We've got to realize that nothing is going to be done as long as we allow the devil to have his place in it. Satan hates it. I know Pastor Dave was, you know, kind of joking when he was saying, I don't want to be a part of a dead church. And today, we had all these things going all through the day. And it was exciting to me. I, I, I was excited. I jumped straight from connecting point of praying with families. Went to the other side. We had eight, nine families that came out for starting point today of looking to join our church and people that want to be involved. And I'm thinking, man, this is fun. This is awesome. I was sitting up there saying, hey, some of our people aren't here. We've got a group over here meeting for the prison ministry. We had a group that just got in vans to go downtown to Broad Street Mission. We have a group that's not here because they're out on bus routes delivering kids back to their families. We're blessed. And when all these things are going on, and sometimes we take it for granted, and Satan's going to slither out of there and go, I don't like this. I don't like it at all. I, I don't like them getting excited about their worship or the people or what's going on. And these barbarians saw the venomous beast hanging on his hand. They said amongst them, said, no doubt this, this man is a murderer. Whom they thought had escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffered to not live. No one jumps in to help him. But everyone starts running their mouth. Do you notice that? Those are like the people off to the side sitting there. They're not doing anything, but they're going to critique that guy. Yeah, he's a sinner. He's in it from the wrong motives. He'll never do. Why is it? Why is it that people, some people feel like their spiritual gift is observation and criticism? You know what I'm saying? If, if I was doing that, I'd do it better. Then I'm thinking, well, by all means, you know, welcome to the party. Come on in. We'll never turn down help. You know, nobody's perfect. And I guarantee you, Paul, Paul probably was irritable and upset like anybody else. Swam there, you know, talked about some of them swam for their life on a piece of broken ship just to get to where they were at. He was just building the fire. Let me tell you guys a verse. 1 Peter 4, 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. He said, don't think this is odd. Don't, don't be surprised when it's you that's targeted and you're thinking, why? Even amongst your own. And the reason why I say this is because I, I work with you guys all the time and you work with me and I love you and you love me, but I'll tell you, even good-hearted people will say things that they don't mean that will discourage you. I've walked into the church on Sunday afternoon. I, I remember specific situations. I walked through there and I said, man, what are you doing? 
Why did you leave? Man, I'm just, man, I'm so aggravated. I, I just had, I just had so and so, or a brother in Christ just came out to me and just, just said the most awful thing. And I, 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 I'm just not cut out for this. I think, man, that, that, it, it happens to all of us. So don't, don't think it strange. But rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering. Because opposition's going to come. When you're there trying to raise a fire for other people to be drawn in it. When your goal is just to minister to the people that need it. That have been pulled out of shipwrecks. And people that have been pulled out of the sea. And people that have been through a hard time. And you stand up and say, I'm just going to give up my best. Don't be surprised. You sit back and say, why me? Because you stood up. Because you're part of it. That when his glory shall be revealed. Because it always is. It's always coming. And I'll show you in this story. Even with this it happens. That he may be glad. Also with exceeding joy. You see Satan is not dumb. Satan's not dumb. He, he knows what to say. He knows who to say, have it said to. People talk without knowing, even them, even the wording here. It says, no doubt. They didn't just say, hey, I wonder. They said, no doubt. I know what's going on. He's a murderer. That's what's going on. I can see a murderer a mile away. They were, they were completely on the opposite spectrum. Actually, he was arrested for preaching the gospel is why he was arrested. That's why the Bible says in James 1.19, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. Before you say something, I would investigate. Before you judge somebody and say, man, they came in with the worst attitude. Yeah, they, you don't know what they just had in their life. And I, I, I find out all, all the time about people and just say, hey, they never said anything. But you know they lost their job this week? I said, no, I had no idea. Hurting people say things that they don't mean. Frustrated people and people that are going through issues with their kids and things say things that they don't mean. I saw the person involved, the people surrounding. But here's where it gets cool, the action that is taken. Look at what Paul's response of in verse 5. Now, I, I know this is what's going on, but he's got a, a viper, a venomous bite, a viper on his hand. And this is what Paul does. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. The, you know what the natural reaction to do when you're sitting there and everybody's calling you a murderer and everything I'm done. I'm out of here. I'll tell you what. You guys can build your own fire. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm hurt. I, I, I have this happening. And I tell you what. It takes a man of God. It takes somebody walking with God. Somebody that knows that they've got a bigger purpose. And knowing that, God, I don't know why you're here. And I'm in the middle of this. And, God, I could have died out there either by the soldiers or I could have died out there because of the storm itself. But God, you have me here for a reason. Let me tell you guys. I don't know where you're at or how you feel but I can promise you this. God has you where you're at for a reason. You can't always feel it. Don't be surprised when the thought goes through your mind that you need to quit and you need to get out. You think Paul didn't go through that? I, I've, I've done entire messages, especially in Sunday night where I preach on the subject of don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. When Paul says, I'm going to be honest, and he's writing to the church, and he said, I was pressed beyond measure. I, I, I wanted to die. He actually says those words. I wanted to quit. Don't quit. Because God God's working through all this. Through every bit of this. The fire is going out in America. That's the thing. The fire is going out. And as that light diminishes. 
And people are sitting there going, well, this isn't working anymore. We need more people that are going to stand up. But I'm telling you, the only way that you are going to make a difference is when we're like Paul and you sit there and you say, you know what? Get off me. You have no power over me. I, I, I just came out of a, a, a shipwreck. Those soldiers wanted to take my life. They're talking about taking my life for preaching the gospel. And this little worm on me is going to get off me. Shook it off. You say this is, this is just thing. No, he had experience with shaking the, off the, the devil. In Acts 13, when you go back to there in verse 49, the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of the coast. And they, but they shook off the dust off their feet against them and came to Iconium. The disciples were filled with joy with the Holy Ghost. Thrown out of the city and they get up and go, dude, that was awesome. Where are we going next, man? I don't know. That's when they did. Let's go. You know, it's like, well, we did our best. We preached the gospel until they threw us out. Now we're going to go. And Paul's just like, oh, here we go again. Shook it off. We'd be a lot better when you hear things. Stuff comes at you, whatever, you just sit there and shake it off and say, you know what, I'm not here for you guys. I'm not going to let this serpent discourage me and pull me out. I'm just not going to do it. You just shake it off. Sometimes, maybe even physically, you need to do that. You, you have something being said or you hear something like that. You just wake up, just do this. And your, your wife says, what are you doing? Ah, I'm going to keep serving God. That's what I'm doing. I'm not going to let this bother me. Because it's going to happen. It, it, within, without, around, no matter where it is. The idea of shaking it off is don't let it stick to you. It has no power over you. The Bible says in that verse 52 that the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because they knew why they were doing what they were doing. Guys, don't lose sight of why you do what you do. Junior church, Sunday school, bus ministry, greeters. Choir, wherever you're at, remember who you are praising. Remember who you are serving. Keep your eyes on the purpose and the master. I can promise you, you can go down to the next fire and you're going to find vipers there too. You're going to find the barbarians there too that are sitting there. Man, no doubt he's this. They're going to be doing the same thing. But he shook off the beast where? Into the fire. And how cool that is, the very thing that he was building up, the very presence and the power of God, he said, yeah, take this. Threw him right into the midst of the fire. It reminds me, one day, maybe this is just a glimpse of Revelation chapter 20, when God says, and that old serpent was thrown into the, the, the lake of fire forever. And it's to come. Let me tell you, the safest place that you need to be as a believer is next to the fire and the heat Because God has a reason for you being there. God has a reason for the ministry that you have. But let me close with this. Let me show you verse 7. You say, why why was all this going on? Acts 28, verse 7. In the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged three days courteously. And it came to pass as the father of Publius. I did look that up, though, and I'm saying it correctly. Lay sick fever and the bloody flux, whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, others also, which had disease on the island, came and were healed. Those that were sick beyond hope 
on an island that had no missionary or a man of God present, all of a sudden has a man washed up on shore, thrown there, that could have quit because of the viper, who could have quit because of the words being said, that could have walked away because of the trial, stood there. He shook it off and he's sitting there and they're saying, hey, does anybody have the power to help? Does anybody have the knowledge? And they're saying, I'll tell you what, I don't know what he is. We're all thinking he's a God, but there's something weird and odd about that guy. So when this was done, others also which had diseases on the island came and were healed, who also honored us with many honors. When we were departed, they laid it on us with such things as were necessary. You know what they were talking about? The provision of God to keep going. Let me tell you, I don't know what was going on in this story, but I'll tell you this. You never know who's watching you. You never know what's going on the outside and what's going on in the middle of that fire, in the middle of that serpent, in the middle of having the fangs come on you and everything else. You don't know what's going on. But God had a reason for all of it. I, I guess I'm just saying this, and I, and I don't even have any specific reason for even preaching this, but I, I know that we want to keep stirring the fire. We want to keep making a difference. And I just don't want you to think it's a strange thing, like it said in that, in that passage, that it's a strange thing that adversity comes your way. It's not. It's going to happen. So I pray for you guys, and you pray for me. Because the world needs to experience the heat, the power of God in the middle of all of us.